0: This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. What's up, Second Service? How you all doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, well, we're so glad you're here. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and thank you for coming and being part of our service here today as we're continuing our series called Revolution, talking about loving God, loving people, and showing it, kind of the values of our church. And uh, I've really, really been enjoying this series, and and I'm ready to dive in. I went really, really far over in the first service, so I'm going to try not to do that. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide, you can pay attention on screen. I encourage you, bring a Bible, like it's what we read out of every week. You might as well have the book just to say you have one. I mean, it's a good idea. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll, we'll find some way to hook you up with one. Make sure that you have that to be able to read in your life. But before we do that, I just want to do a, a quick survey and uh, uh, just, just find out what's everybody's fa- favorite fast food restaurant. Do we have uh, any Burger King lovers out there? Any Burger King lovers? Woo! Flame broiled, like two of you. Not big on flame broiled, I guess. Um, how about how about like Wendy's? Any Wendy's people? Frosties? I mean, come on. You got to Oh yeah, there's some people that love some Frosties up in here, you know. Uh, is a, that's some good stuff. How about how about Taco Bell? Any Taco Bell people? Couple Taco Bell people. These are the people that are really clean on the inside, right? You know who they are? How about how, any Hardee's fans? Hardee's fans. Hardee's. No Hardee's? No, there's one Hardee's. Thank you. I knew somebody, because like Hardee's has gone like the opposite route. Everybody's trying to be healthy. You know, they're giving you like salads and, and like fruit milkshakes and stuff. Like Hardee's is saying like, we're going to give you a heart attack as called a sandwich. And uh, you know, so they're kind of bucking the trend. Uh, Chick-fil-A, any Chick-fil-A fans? Lots of Christians. Yep. <laughs> Lots of Christians here. Any McDonald's fans? McDonald's. couple of McDonald's. That's, you're my people right there. Like, uh, you know, McDonald's, I mean... Let's be honest, McDonald's doesn't really have good food, do they? I mean, come on, they, they don't. But I love McDonald's. And I think it's because like, when I was a little kid, I had a great experience at McDonald's. Because when I was growing up, you know, Chick-fil-A is cool today. Like every parent wants to go to Chick-fil-A because they can drop their kids off in the playground. And then like sit there and eat in peace because their kids are inside there. But like back in the day, and I'm, I'm 34 years old, so, so like 29 years ago, nobody had playgrounds but McDonald's. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so as a kid, the ultimate place to go for anything was Mickey D's. I mean, Mickey D's is where it was at. And so I remember when I was five years old, my my family was living in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, my mom asked me, what do you, you know, my birthday was coming up. And she said, what do you want to do for your birthday? And of course, I wanted to have a birthday party at McDonald's. I mean, because that's, if you were a cool kid, you had a birthday party at McDonald's. I mean, they had Ronald McDonald. They had had the dude that dressed up as a bunch of fries. I mean, come on, that's cool. The Hamburglar, y'all remember that, don't you? I mean, nobody knows about that. They don't show the Hamburglar because stealing's not cool anymore. But back in the day, like we encourage you to steal stuff. Not really, but I I remember I... (laughs) I remember I asked my mom, and, and like that was like my favorite birthday party as a kid because I remember what they did is they had they had like a, a coordinator that was there for your birthday party, and so all my friends came, and there was my coordinator's name was Lisa, and I remember Lisa like blew my mind because Lisa rolled in and she's like she like bent down and she's like, hey T.J. it's your birthday today, and I'm like oh, <laughs> <laughs> like because Lisa was hot, <laughs> and, so, and she's like. I'm here to do whatever you need. And so like all day long, she was bringing me extra fries. Like I ate like 17 Big Macs and, you know, I was just like throwing down and like, and Lisa was leading us in all the games of the day. You know, there was all these games that we could play and we got to play on the playground. And like, I was like, I had this incredible experience at McDonald's, not because they had good food, but because they had unbelievable service. Unbelievable service because of how Lisa treated me when I was there at mcdonald's i remember like weeks later every every time my parents would be like where do you want to go eat i'd be like mcdonald's we got to go see lisa lisa hasn't seen me in a while she's probably wondering what's happening in our relationship and so (laughs) anyways never mind uh (laughs) I, it's one of the reasons why people love Chick-fil-A today. I mean, think about it. When you go to Chick-fil-A, there could be a line that's 379 miles long. I, am I not right in the drive-through? It's always like there is a there is like buku amounts of people in the drive-through, and no matter what, they get people through there so fast. And then when you get there, and you're like, they're giving you their food, and they're like smiling, and you're like, may I have some some sauce? And they're like, yeah, no problem, my pleasure. And then and then you say, hey, I'll see you later, thank you. And as you're driving. They say my okay, like seven of you have been there. Awesome. Um they always respond to you in this really gracious and hostful ways. And people love it. The reason they love Chick-fil-A is because of this extraordinary service. I'm not saying their food is is off the chain. I mean it's it's not dada's like I talked about last week, but I mean it's it's decent but we go there and we keep going back because there's somebody walking around giving us mints and there's somebody there that's giving wet naps or somebody there that's that's trying to serve us at every single opportunity. And what I find is so sad is that when we think about serving and we think about this idea of serving, what we think about most of the time is we think about businesses like Chick-fil-A rather than the house of God, the church. Of all the places that should be the greatest place that serves in this world, it shouldn't be like, hey, you want to know how to serve? Go go check out Chick-fil-A. It should be like, hey, man, go check out the church. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about some of the values of our church. And we've been talking about the first week we dove in and we talked about the fact that healthy people grow. And that if, if you're in a healthy relationship with God, that you're going to be growing and you're going to be expanding. You're going to be changing to look more and more like Jesus. And then last week we talked about this, this concept that if, if you've been found, if you've found the amazing grace of God, God found you and rescued you, you've been found, then it's your responsibility to find people. Because found people find people. In life, and this week, you know, there's something out of scriptures that, you know, according to the scriptures, if if we're gonna embrace the fact that man, God has done all this stuff for us, if God has saved us, if God has rescued us, then man, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people, uh, and, and if you're truly a follower of Jesus, notice I didn't say a tender there. Because there's a big difference between attending and following Jesus. There's a lot of people that have been attending church for a long time, but nothing in their life you could look at and say, man, that they are completely a follower of Jesus. Because somebody who is a follower of Jesus is somebody who's completely radically sold out to the call of God that no matter what God asked them to do, no matter where God asked them to go, right away, man, they are running towards that thing because they are following Jesus, not just attending and checking out what God's doing in life. And if you're, if you're sold out for Jesus in that way, then you're naturally gonna serve other people because save people serve people. And this is what I know is that if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are gifted and you are called and you are equipped and, and, and honestly, God is, is commanding you and is, is saying like, man, it is your responsibility not to just sit back and consume, but it's your job to get involved and be a part of what's going on for his kingdom. And so today, man, we're gonna look, we're gonna look at at Luke chapter 10 and and uh, we're going to start right here, and this is a great, great passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the places where this value comes from and our values as a whole as a church comes out of this passage of Scripture. And one of the things I'm doing in my personal quiet time right now is I'm reading through the Gospels, and I love reading through the Gospels, and as I'm doing that, I, I see over and over and over again as Jesus was going through life that that the religious people of his day and the and the... the Experts of the law, they were constantly trying to trick Jesus into messing up. They were constantly trying to give him questions that they thought that there would be double answers to so that he would answer it wrong and so they could say, gotcha, you know, and totally dismiss everything that he was about. And right here, we find right away that at this time, they had hired a, a religious leader to come and test Jesus and his knowledge. And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, one of the frustrating things that I've found as I'm reading the Gospels and reading through the life of Jesus is that Jesus, anytime anybody asked Jesus a question, Jesus never answered the question. Like, I don't know about you, but that frustrates me. If I asked you a question and you don't answer it, like, I'm like, are you going to answer my question? And Jesus would always go, he would never answer a question. He would ask you another question well, you said this, well, what do you think about this? Or he would respond with like, let me tell you a story once upon a time. And, and so, you know, it was something very, I, I'm guessing that he frustrated the snot out of the religious people. And in this instance, he answers them with both. He gives them a question and a story. And so we'll continue on. It says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Jesus like, man, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the scripture say? You know, you're the expert, you're the man. What do you think about that? And it says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly, he says, ding, 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 man, you got it right, man. You can collect, go, you, you can pass, go, you can collect $200, man, you've got it all figured out right there. And, and man, you've got it all together. And, and the guy, it says, the guy wanting to justify himself. And isn't that just like us? Anytime we're in a situation where it's not exactly how we like it or how, what we wanted, we always wanna justify ourselves. And it says, and he continues on, he says, do this and you will live. And he says, but you, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He goes, who is my neighbor? And this is where the fertilizer hits the fan for this guy. And I think it hits the fan for a lot of us in our lives because all of a sudden he challenges Jesus and he, he's talking to him right here. And, and what Jesus is basically saying is saying, man, if you're gonna embrace the fact that save people, serve people, there are a couple things that you need to wrap your mind around if you're gonna get this and you're gonna completely understand it. And so, man, if we're gonna embrace this fact that saved people, serve people, then we gotta do a couple things. One of those things is we gotta see as Jesus sees. We have got to see as Jesus thinks because one of the things that I'm learning as I'm growing and I'm developing in my life and I'm looking more and seeing more like Jesus is that man things in my life are changing you know when we planted this church uh it was my first time ever being a senior pastor and I thought one of the benefits of being a senior pastor is is that I get to get up here and say whatever I want um and if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that I pretty much get up here and say whatever I want, and uh, and and that's and that's good in one sense, and then it's really bad in another sense because I say whatever I want, and uh, whatever I want isn't always the right and proper and correct thing to say. And and luckily, God has gifted me with the Holy Spirit in flesh form as my wife, and so she's constantly trying to direct my words and like, oh, you probably should. Like every after every service, we have a meeting like, hey, you're never allowed to say that again again. okay and and so that's a it's a constant thing and and so I'm working on that and and you know and I'm like but you know I'm gonna take that with a grain of salt you know it's I mean what does she really know I mean she's just it's gotten me in trouble a couple times and and so you know I I look at that and so I'm just like I'm still gonna do whatever I want but then um as things were going along we had somebody come in here and and secret shop us what which basically means is we had somebody come in from the outside of one of the most successful churches in America and uh this this woman came in, and she went and evaluated all the areas of our church. Nobody knew that she was coming in except for myself and Shayla. And, and so she was just going to give us a perspective that maybe we couldn't see. And so she went, and she tried to break into our kids' ministry. And, and she went in there and tried to steal, like, 27 donuts out there. And it's like, like I'm going to eat breakfast here and, you know, just get nourishment for the day and, and all this stuff. And, and at the end of it, we sat down with her. And and she's like, man, I want to tell you what, man, your church, she was like blowing it up, like, man, your kids ministry is like the safest church I've ever been in. Like, literally, I tried to break in and steal kids, and and like they shut me down before I even got through the door. And and then I was I was trying to walk by and not talk to people, and people kept trying to talk to me, and it was like so annoying, you know, because I was trying to get them to not be engaging, and yet they were engaging, and they helped me find my seat. And, And I walked in here and I saw all this stuff and I was like, man, this is really legit. And then and she said, man, all this was great, and then it got to you. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. And she goes, man, I, I really enjoyed what you say, but I hate butts in life. I'm just telling, like, I don't like big butts, and so, and I cannot lie, um, and that's what she said. She said, like, listen, you're too culturally relevant um, for for people over the age of twenty two. Not everybody is that. Nobody does Beyonce dancing every week. Stop it. And uh, and and she said, you know, try not to say all the words that you say, because it's highly offensive to some people. And and for the first time in my life, like this was a super successful business woman, and she did this for professionally as a living. And All of a sudden, my perspective changed immensely. And not saying that I don't say whatever I want still, because I I do at times. But for the most part, like, man, all of a sudden I had this change of perspective. And I started seeing things way differently than how I'd saw them before. Before, I was just like, I don't even care. If you don't like it, you can leave, you know. And that just, that's like a bad attitude. And this is what I've discovered is is that if we're truly following Jesus, man, we're going to be changing continuously. We're gonna constantly be changing our perspective. We're gonna constantly be changing our viewpoint. We're gonna constantly be seeing things, not the same way that we always saw them, but all of a sudden, we're gonna be starting to see them differently. And if we're, you and I, if we're changing, then we've gotta recognize that if we're changing, we've gotta to start to see people as Jesus saw people. And if we're seeing people how Jesus saw people, then we gotta understand that save people serve people. And as we look at this parable in Luke 10, man, we're gonna see some things like we've never seen them before. And this scripture is so rich and it's so full, I wish I had like all afternoon to talk to you about it, but I don't. So we're just gonna dive in in verse 30. It says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was under attack by robbers. Now, let me just stop right there because this is really important. Most of us, we get to this verse and we read this and we're like, oh, some geographical locations, who cares? Like that is an important part of the story. When the reality is, is this is one of the most important parts of the story there is. Because what you gotta understand is that this journey that this guy was on was a big journey. They say the distance from Jerusalem to Jericho was about a 17 mile walk. That's a long way. That's like, that's like today, us driving from here to South Carolina on a moped. You know, I mean, that's a long deal. And so it's a long ways away. And they said the elevation drop from Jerusalem to Jericho was like 3,300 feet. Like that's a huge elevation drop. And and so this wasn't some insignificant journey. This was a big journey this guy was taking. And what we fail to realize is that these places, they represent something. See, the city of Jerusalem represented something. It represented the city of blessing. It represented the place where Christ gave his life on the cross. It was the city of atonement. It was a city of where, man, we come into relationship and we're in right standing with God. And what he's saying is, and then there's this other city, which is Jericho over here that this guy is walking towards. And this is a city that is cursed. If you remember in the Old Testament, what happened at Jericho is it was the first city. God said, give me the city and I'm going to destroy it completely. Man, this is going to be an offering to me. And then he said, man, anybody that rebuilds this, in fact, uh, Joshua said this. He said, man, anybody that rebuilds this city, man, their firstborn son is going to die. And anybody that sets the gates, the secondborn son is going to die. And and because it's a city of curse, it's a city where you don't want to be in your life. And and, and so somebody later on built that city back up. And you know what happened? Their first son died and their second son died. Now, some of you are like, man, that's messed up. Why would God do that? Listen, if God told you not to go play in the street and you wouldn't play in the street and got hit by a car, who's stupid? Anyways, that's the effort message. So so what's happening is is this guy is in the city of blessing. Man, he's in Jerusalem. And what's happening is he's making a conscious decision to go from the city of blessing to the city of cursing. Basically, what it's saying is, is this man chose to walk away from God. He's saying he chose to walk away from God. And what happened is, is along the way, man, he gets caught and he gets beat and he gets left for dead. And what he's saying is, is, you know what? And let me just say this to some of you. Some of you guys, you've been in the city of blessing and you some things are happening in your life right now where there are opportunities for you to walk away from that blessing. Maybe that there's a business deal that you're pondering doing right now. And you know that there's something that's not right. There's some immoral things about it, but the opportunity looks so good. And you're thinking about walking away from the city of blessing to the city of curse because, man, the opportunity looks so good there. There's some of you that are doing some things on Facebook right now. You're you're in some what seem like harmless situations and friendships, and you're married, and all of a sudden you're talking to somebody from the past that you used today, and it's harmless, but all of a sudden you can start to see it go somewhere else. And you're on this path that your, op, your option is to walk away from the city of blessing to the city of cursing. And let me tell you something. When you walk away from the city of blessing to the city of cursing, destruction always comes on your life. And what we do is we get mad at God, but God isn't the one who chose to walk away. We did. And it goes on to say, They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. They left him half dead because they figured some people would come, or not some people, but some animals would come, and they would just eat him alive and just finish him off. And, man, if you choose to walk away from Jesus... You know what I'm going to say? And I'm not a prophet and and anything, but I've been in ministry for a long time. You just used to walk away from God, man. You're going to end up beaten, bloodied, and on the side of the road. Because that's what happens when we walk away from the promises and the blessings of God. And here's the thing. John 10, 10 tells us, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like that's his MO, that's his motive. Man, he's been doing it for thousands upon thousands of years. He's gotten really, really good at it. And when he sees people walking away from the blessings of God, walking towards the curse, he says, fresh meat, I'm going to take care of those people. And he's going to chew you up and he's going to spit you out. And you can't get mad at God because you made that choice. And I know that that sounds really tough and that sounds really mean, but that's really true. And I know the truth is painful sometimes, but I know some of us, we've gone through that we've experienced that pain. We walked away from God at one point or we never had found God and we've just been in that and we've been beaten and we've been bloody and we're like, man, I know exactly what that's like. But then there's some of you, you have a whole bunch of friends and family and coworkers that are going through this right now. You see them walking down a path that's gonna lead to destruction in their life, It's gonna lead to where they're beaten and they're bloody and they're left for dead. And let me tell you something, another sermon and another song is not gonna help them. Well, TJ, what do we do? Glad you asked. We'll go on. Verse 31. It says a priest. Now let's talk about that for a moment because this is a big deal. It says a priest. And and if you don't know anything about a priest, a priest was a very religious person in their day. Uh, They were somebody who was communing with God constantly. So it's like our equivalent of a prayer warrior if we want to put that in context. Man, they were constantly in communion with God and they knew God's word. They would have probably had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized, if not all of the Old Testament memorized. And it says a priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest a priest, somebody that was, was communing continually with God, happened to be going down the same road, the same road that was from blessing to curse. And, and what that tells me is that if we can go out and we can have all the exterior things and look like we got it going on and have the Jesus t-shirt and be going the wrong direction in our life. Because Jesus isn't about the external. He isn't about our behavior. He's about our heart. It says a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, I want you to underline when he saw, when he saw. Because it wasn't like he didn't see this guy that was beaten to a bloody pulp on the side of the road. He says he saw this guy, he saw the opportunity, and he walked right by it. He walked right by it. I mean, you can't help but see some dude that's got the snot beat out of him on the side of the road. And he says, man, he just like, oh, man, I'm going to get away from that like why do you think he passed by probably on his way to a prayer meeting maybe maybe he was on his way to a bible study you know he had to get maybe he had to meet with his accountability partner like all those church buzzwords. And listen, I'm, I'm all about Bible study and, and prayer meetings. And in fact, oh man, I encourage you to be part of those things. Get connected and connect groups. But listen, if your Bible study, if it, if it just leads to you gaining more knowledge, all that that's gonna cause in your life is a bunch of arrogance and you're gonna pass by people rather than it leading to action in your life. I love what, what one of my mentors says. He says, if your theology doesn't lead to a methodology to do whatever it takes to reach people far from God, then your theology is jacked up. And a lot of us, we've got all this head knowledge, and we've got all this information, and we just, we've gotten kind of pious, and we've gotten arrogant, and we see people that are hurting, and we walk right by them because the word hasn't gotten inside of us to where it's caused us to action. We're getting fat on God, and we're not fueling our life with some exercise of practical application. It says that he saw the guy, and he ignored him. But listen, he wasn't the only one. There's, it says there was another person. It says there, there was a Levite. And this is a this is guy that was involved in, in, in our day, would be involved in tons of church activities. And, and this is what it says. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. It wasn't like this guy didn't see this one either. He saw him and he passed by. You know what I find so ironic about this scripture is the people that were most qualified to help this guy didn't. The people that on the outside were the most qualified walked by, saw him, and turned and went the other direction. Now, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt because I... I, my thought is, is like there, there had to be some good reason why they would just pass by this opportunity. I mean, there had to be something going on in their lives and to say, like, you know what? I, you, there's a reason they do, didn't do this. And my only thought can be is that they, they looked at the situation. They saw this guy that was beaten to a pulp, and they said, you know what? Man, I don't have anything significant that I can contribute to this, com- to this situation. There's nothing that I can really do that's going to be significant. So I'm just going to pass by. Maybe somebody that's a little bit more qualified or a little bit more able will come by and help him. You know, I hear this all the time from people like, we'll we'll be like, man, we have opportunities for you to get involved and, and use the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And you'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not really qualified for that. And listen, listen, if I could just, if I could take 10 minutes and sit down one-on-one with each and every one of you, which I can't, but if I could, then I would sit down with a cup of coffee, because that would definitely be a good meeting, and, uh. And I would tell you, man, that you are called and you are equipped and you, you are, are given every single thing that you're going to need for God to do something great through you. He's just waiting for you to do something. He's waiting for you to to get up and start to enact the talents that are within you so that he can use you to do something great in somebody's life. He is not giving you all that stuff. He hasn't given you this bigger purpose just to sit on it on the sidelines. He's given you this bigger purpose to get in the game and use it to do something for some other people so you can make his kingdom famous. And we've got opportunities day in and day out to serve and to reach people. And what a lot of us do is we see the guy, and, and this is our response, man, I better call the church. We see the guy that's beaten and broken, because at the church, there's those people. You know who those people are. There's the people you expect that are waiting there by the Batmobile, Batman and Robin to jump in and solve everybody's problem. Like, hey, somebody's in the hospital. Ready, Batman? Yeah, let's get in. You know, and off we go to solve their problem. And oh, you're hurting. Let me come. Over. Oh, you're moving. Let me come over here. And you think there's like there's all these people that are doing that. Let me give you some insight. You're those people. You're the church. You're the church. I'm not the church. I'd like to be the church sometime, but I'm not. You're the church. You're who God's called. You're who God's equipped. You're who God's empowered. And you're who God expects to get involved and to do something, not because you have to, but because you get to. Not because you have to, but because you get to. And I realize that some of you think that, man, that's way outside my comfort zone, and there's no way that God would ever ask me to get outside my comfort zone. Let me tell you something. A God who would send his son to die on the cross is gonna tell you to get off your butt and do something. Get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. Get outside your zone. Do something. I love the next verse because Jesus makes the most unlikely person in the story the hero. It says in verse 33, but a Samaritan. And when Jesus said this, man, the crowd probably was like, oh, snap. Did he just say a Samaritan? Because, like, they were half breeds They were scum of the earth. Like, nobody, like, nothing good could come from a Samaritan. And it says, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Other versions say, man, he was filled with compassion because you you want to know why he was filled with compassion? Because when we start to see as Jesus sees, man, we're going to be filled with the same thing that Jesus was filled with. Because every time he saw a need, it says in the scriptures, man, Jesus' heart, or he was filled with compassion. Because saved people will serve people. See, he got past this attitude that's so easy for us to get of, God, what can you do for me? God, what are you going to do for me? God, What do, 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 do. He got past that and he said, God, what can I do for you? Because when we first find Christ, it's all about, God, how are you going to serve me? Isn't it true? We get in the propensity to just, God, serve me, serve me, serve me. Last time I checked, we're, we made him Lord, not us Lord. And so we got to get past this. Samaritan was the most unlikely person to be used by God to impact this guy. And that's what I love about God because Jesus never picked the smartest or the most well-versed people to be the ones that he was going to use to do significant things. I mean, he didn't go and pick the Pharisees. He didn't go and pick the religious leaders. He didn't pick the people that everybody else would have picked. He didn't pick LeBron as his number one pick. He picked like the scrub on the end of the bench and said, hey, I can do a lot with that guy. Like, who did he pick? He picked fishermen. They aren't too bright. Even to, uh, sorry, if you're a fisherman, even to this day, <laughs> carpenters. I, I was a carpenter. I grew up a carpenter. We're not smart. I mean, he picked tax collectors. Ain't nobody liking them today, even still. I mean, he didn't pick the well mo- most liked people. In fact, in, 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 uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13, it says that, that when they saw, talking about the religious leaders, when they saw Peter and John and, and all that they were doing, it says they, they were unschooled, unlearned, ordinary people. It says they were blown away by them. The Greek word there for those ordinary, unschooled people is this word idiotes. Is where we get our word idiot. He says, basically, when they figured out that they were idiots... They were blown away because this is what I know about God. God can take any one of us idiots that feel unqualified and unable to do things and do something great through us. If we want to get out there and do something. See, we have to see as Jesus sees and then we have to respond as Jesus leads. We've got to respond as Jesus leads. And, and today, you know, one of the words that nobody seems to like in our English culture is this word called authority. In fact, I don't even like saying it. It just hurts me to say it. Like, I don't like, I'm not a big fan. Like, authority isn't fun, is it? Like, I don't like people telling me what to do. It's just not a lot of fun. And, and so I struggle with authority at times. Anybody else out there with me? A couple, couple people? Hey, may, may, anybody out here been pulled over by a cop in the last year? Got a ticket? couple people? How about the last 18 months? If you've ever been pulled over by a cop, <laughs> if you've ever lied, yeah okay, okay, good. Now we've kind of covered everybody like i let me just say like i like I've had a lot of experiences with cops in my life. this um, um, <laughs> It's not a good thing. don't be like me in this don't yeah um i i I've, I've, I've probably literally been pulled over somewhere between the neighborhood of seventy and hundred times, and i'm thirty four years old um, I haven't gotten tickets all those times because I wouldn't be driving anymore, but I've gotten pulled over a lot. And so, um, I've got some issues with the authority of the speed limit that I'm working out in my life. Don't worry, I'm in counseling. And so, um, but one of the, the the one police officer that I, uh, dislike seeing the most, um, out on the roads is the motorcycle cop. Um, like those people are just angry. I mean, they have to wear polyester in the hot sun. I would be angry too. I mean, that's just, that's a horrible outfit. And so, um, like a little over a, a year ago, I was, I was driving down the road and, uh, I, I thought it was in a 45 mile an hour zone, which means you can drive 51, right? That's, that's how it works. <laughs> See, I've got issues. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm driving 51 thinking, man, I got this, you know, and I come around this curve and, um, and, and there's a motorcycle cop out in the middle of the road, and he does this. <laughs> and I soon realized that the sign right next to him that he's pointing at says 35, and he's motioning for me to go to the side of the road, and so I knew I'm in trouble. And, uh, and so my, my first thought was is, man, I, I can just run him over and keep going. Nobody, nobody will ever notice. <laughs> Then I thought, like, you know what, I could possibly just outrun him. But then I realized that, you know, I can outrun him, but I can't beat that radio. So, like, that's probably not a good idea. And so, I I, I pulled over on the side of the road uh, because he pointed me there. And, and I submitted to his authority of what he was asking me to do because of the uniform and what he represented. He represented my safety. Let me tell you something right now. I believe that Jesus is in the middle of your road, of your life. And he's pointing over here saying, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. And if you're not willing to submit to my authority, then you're not truly following me. Some of you right now, man, God's God's been calling at you over and over and over and over again saying save people serve people and listen 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 god isn't trying to build an audience god is trying to build an army right now and he's not looking for a bunch of spectators but he's looking for a bunch of people that will be participators and making his name famous all throughout this earth and so we got to see as Jesus sees, and we gotta, we got to respond as Jesus leads. Verse 34 and 35, it says, he went to him. It says the Samaritan went to him. And to me, this is the best news of this entire story. It says that, man, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of the place where we're jacked up, screwed up, beaten up, Jesus will come to us in that place. Man, Jesus meets us right where we are. We don't have to go fix anything. We don't have to get it all figured out. He comes right where we are. He came to me. He came to me and I'm excited about that. I'm fired up, man. We should get excited about Jesus. The fact that he came to you. People are like, why you get so excited? The grave is empty, people. Yeah. Golf clap for Jesus. Like he's really, he's really pumped up right now. Good job. I don't care. I'm excited. Whatever, y'all. We'll we'll let you know where you're going later. Um, It says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. See, the Samaritan... He got involved in this guy's life. And he was involved in this guy's life in three ways. And I think these three ways are very significant because I think there are three ways that you and I, we have got to be involved in the very thing that Jesus is building and that is his church. And there's three things that I think we have to be doing if we're gonna be involved in his church and we're gonna be saved people who serve people. And it can't be two of the three things. It can't be one of the three things. It has to be all three things if we're gonna fully embrace this. And there's three things that the Samaritan did. did. And the first thing is, is, man, he was spiritually involved in this situation situation. He was spiritually involved. It says, man, he poured oil on his wounds and he poured wine on his wounds and bandaged them. That was significant because both of those two elements uh, represent spiritual things in the New Testament. The the oil represents the the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. It says, man, the presence of God will go and change people and heal people and restore people and do all those things. And it says, the wine represents the blood of Jesus. It's why in communion we drink grape juice, not wine, but we drink grape juice because we don't want people people to go and be alcoholics or anything. We're not going to help you try to do that, but we drink that as a representation of Jesus's blood, meaning that Jesus can cover any amount of our sins. And so man, we need to get spiritually involved with people. And so what does that look like for our lives? It means that we pray for people that are far from God. It means that we, every day we get on our face and we say, God, give me an opportunity today to see somebody that's broken and bloodied and messy, and let me get down to their level and help them. Give, just give me an opportunity. Don't let me walk by and walk to the other side of the road, but help me to see them in their need and not be a priest and not be a Levite, but be a Samaritan to step up and help them in their life. Man, pray, pray for our church. And pray for the church. I believe that God is gonna do some incredible things in our church. I mean, we're not even four years old yet and, and we came here with four people and in four in less than four years, man, we've got 400 people. God is doing something awesome here. In the next four years, I'm believing that we're gonna have 4,000 people. I'm just crazy enough to believe that God wants to change our community and he wants to use you and I to do it. And this is my prayer, and this is my prayer that I prayed that all of us would be praying, and this would be the thing that we're doing. It says in Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, I've posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night. He's talking about us, man. We'll be on the walls praying and believing that God would do something awesome in our community. He says, he says they will pray continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of this earth. Man, my prayer is a church is that we would not give God one ounce of rest, that we'd be down here praying so much, believing God, change our community, reach people, use us to do something awesome, that we'd be praying so much and so loud and so often that God would go, man, to shut these people up, I'm going to do something impossible. Like, we're going to annoy you? He says, man, he, God, we'll make it so that God can't even have a Sabbath. Like he says we can do that right here. He says it gives God no rest. My prayer is that, man, we would give God no rest because we're not satisfied with just reaching one more. We want them all to go to heaven. Every man, woman, and child, multiple opportunities to hear the the greatest message that they'll ever hear, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, pray for us. Pray for me, man, I need help. Figuratively and literally, man, I I do. Peter Drucker says, The the hardest job in America isn't a Fortune 500 CEO. He said it's the senior pastor of a church. And I need your prayers. Pray for my wife. Loneliest person, most unappreciated person in America is the pastor's wife. Pray Pray for Jeremy. I mean, this dude's up here sick, hocking up crap, and he's up here worshiping God with everything that he's got here this morning. Pray for Pastor Mike. Pray for Pastor Wayne. Well, TJ, what do I pray for them about? Why don't you go ask them? Like I've never met anybody that if you go ask them, how can I pray for you? It's like, shut up, I don't want you to pray for me. (laughs) Pray for them. Gotta get spiritually involved. We also gotta get physically involved. Physically involved. It says he picked the man up and he put him on his donkey. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever lifted up like somebody that's like dead weight. But those jokers go from 200 pounds to like 400 pounds instantaneously like dead weight is like the hardest stuff to carry this guy had to get down and scoop this dude up by himself and put him on a donkey like i'm hoping that was like a midget donkey you know so that it wasn't a big lift but i'm gonna guess it wasn't it was probably a donkey and and i know what it's like to try to lift somebody up this dead weight because when i go to was going to russia all the time i was traveling with one of my friends named adam Cromie, and and, and he's about six foot two, 220, 230 pounds. He's a big dude. And, uh, and, and so when we were flying, we would take these pills. They're blue pills, not the blue pills that are sold on TV, but they're called Dormacum. Um, and they're like, uh, they're, they make you go to sleep, okay? Um, and, so, and so I gave him some of these pills while we were in the gate waiting to get on. So that way, by the time we get on the plane, when he'd sit down, he'd go to sleep. And, you know, it wouldn't be bad. So we got on the plane, and we were a little bit late getting on because there were some delays. And he sat down in the wrong seat. Well, by the time we realized that he was in the wrong seat, a stewardess was like, hey, Adam, hey, hey, sir, you need to wake up, you're not in the right seat, and, and Adam's out cold, like, we could punch him in the face, he isn't waking up, it's awesome. And so, like, they're like, we're like, oh, that's our guy, we'll come get him, and so we're trying to pick this dude up, and we're, like, dragging him through the aisles, bashing his head on stuff, and, and uh like, he's sitting in the middle of, of this, this row, like, right in the middle, and so we're after carrying him over people. I mean, like, I'm soaking wet trying to pull this guy around because he's just dead weight. You know what what we have to do when people are hurting and broken and stuff? Is man, we gotta get down in their mess. And it's gonna take some sweat. And it's gonna take some effort. It's gonna take us getting our hands dirty. But God hasn't called us to just be out there just praying for people. He's called us to physically get involved in people's lives and do something to help them through their mess. It's gonna require some tough stuff. One of the things that's really interesting to me about the church is that when people come to the church, it's the only place I know where people do this. Um, they'll come in for the first week, and after they realize that I'm not just the greeter out front, but I, I'll talk and stuff, um, they'll always come up and they'll always tell me like how awesome they are at something. It's the only place, like, hey, I'm gifted at this. Like, it'll be like the first conversation. I'm like, that's interesting. Like, most people don't start off a conversation telling me how great they are. But they do, all the time. And it it blows my mind because, like, LeBron James, like, when he walks into a gym, he doesn't arrive and be like, hey, everybody, I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. No, what does he do? He shuts up, he grabs a ball, and he freaking dominates everybody. And everybody goes, that dude's legit. legit. Listen, if you're legit, get involved and do something. We'll figure it out real quick if you're legit. Like you don't have to tell anybody. The Samaritan didn't go and tell anybody that he was awesome. He got involved in somebody's life, and everybody says, hey, that dude's awesome. (laughs) I'll never forget this time. This lady was out front and before service and she, she came up to me and she said, I have the gift of healing. And I said, Oh, really? Let's go to the hospital right now. We'll go heal everybody there. She didn't go to the hospital. Don't just brag about how great you are, get involved and do something, show that you're awesome and something. We'll, we'll take notice real quick. God will take notice real quick. Like you don't have to tell everybody you're awesome, just go get involved. Um, because you're not to just attend church, you're not just to tell people how awesome you are. you are to get physically involved. You're to be committed to a place and be involved in it. And you know one of the things that I found so interesting about South Florida I, I've never experienced it until I moved here, is that you know, uh, people attend everywhere and are committed nowhere. Like, I hear it all the time, man. People will be going to a connect group here at Coastal. And then on Wednesday night, they're over at Calvary going to church. And then they're, they're over uh, at CBG uh, Saturday night at a service. And they'll be back here Sunday morning. And let me just tell you something. All those churches, they're great churches. Like, if you don't like it here, go check one of those places out because they're awesome. Like, I'm all for them. They're doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. But here's the deal. If you were in a relationship and you were dating four or five people, you know what we call you? We call you a hoe. If you're going to four or five churches, you know what you are? You're a spiritual hoe. Stop dating the church and get committed somewhere. Stop dating it. Jesus didn't ask for a date. He asked for a commitment. And it's time for us to get committed and get involved and see God do some awesome stuff here. let me just tell you, man, there's people that show up here every week and just get it done. Listen, they didn't come in here this morning and arrive and just pray that this stuff would all arrange like this. Like Bones wasn't here praying that, that, man, the drum kit would just arrive in here. You know what they did? They got they got, some, they got some sweat in and they got some sweat equity and pulled some of this stuff and set this stuff up and set up these speakers and lights and all this stuff. There's some people right before the service that were back there taking care of the kids area and they were disinfecting every single toy so your kid's not going to get sick. You want to know why? Because they got their hands dirty. They got physically involved. And you need to get physically involved because this is what I know. You will never fulfill the potential and plan that God has for you if you don't start utilizing and using your gifts in the local church because we don't necessarily need you but you need us, because you're never going to fulfill the thing that God has called you to do unless you have a place to use it. And God has given you the church as a platform, not, not necessarily the stage, because we believe that, man, you got to be good with a mop before you have a mic. And so, can you push a case? Can you go high-five some people before you get up and you start singing and telling everybody how great you are? we got to get physically involved in the church, and we got to be spiritually involved, and finally, we got to be financially involved involved financially involved says he gave him two coins and he said man i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna take care of whatever else is there you know what that means is that when you serve people it's gonna cost you something it's gonna cost you something it's gonna cost you some money periodically it might cost you time you know what time we trade our time for money it's gonna cost it costs you to serve people But this is what I know, is that serving people is the greatest investment you can ever make. It's the greatest thing you can do. It's it's the thing that will transform your life more than anything else. I love what Winston Churchill said. He says, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. And God didn't just call us here to, to live life and acquire and get stuff. He called us to come here. And to find him and realize that, man, save people, serve people. Man, we get to give it away so that we can acquire the one thing that we're looking for, and that's a real life. It's the real life. Finishes up in verse 36 and 37. It says, Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. It started off with, man, how do I get eternal life? And what did the guy said, He said, man, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Then go and do likewise. You know what that equates to us? It means that we're loving God. We're loving people. And we're showing it. And this is the thing about serving that you'll never realize until you start serving other people. Serving is gonna help some people, but it's gonna transform you. God isn't after our actions or our behavior. He's after our heart. He wants to transform our heart. And today, God is saying, Man, I'm ready to transform your heart. Ready to do something new and something fresh in your life. But it's time for us to change our attitude from, God, what can you do for me? To, God, what can I give to you? And how can I serve your purpose in my life? Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit. Coastal